Facebook Live, and we are now live on YouTube on Comedy Schools, and we're live on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. We are live and kicking. My name is Tony Visick. Your name is whatever you want it to be. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers and mothers, sisters and lovers. Uh, this show is called Living on a Thin Line. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Arizona time. I'm just going to get a good angle here so you guys can really enjoy the uh, visuals. Uh, I'm kind of sitting weird and I can't get um, there. I can't get the microphone centered. Uh, I got to think about that. Anyway, all right. You know what? That's good enough. It's just me after all. So uh, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Arizona time, which is currently Pacific time, but we cannot petition uh, the people who uh, uh, do time changes to change our name. So uh, hello, Champ de Blasio. So we, uh, we now have to clarify that we are uh, actually Pacific time, but legally Mountain Standard Time or officially Mountain Standard Time, but we don't do daylight savings time. And now uh, I'm so confused, I don't know, uh, I don't know which month it is. They confuse the time out here in Arizona so much you don't know what month it is. Uh, I've got a good show for you today. I hope it's a good show. Show might suck. I don't know. Might be terrible today. Um, I have not turned on the news today. I slept in and then had to get to what I get to. And I haven't had, I kind of looked around a little bit. Um, I see that, uh, I think it's two dozen Republicans are now uh, former uh, officials and uh, elected government officials, congressmen, etc., are uh, uh, opposing Trump. You know, and that's kind of unheard of. You just don't see that that often. Uh, so it, about five more and Pennsylvania swings our way. So uh, that's all we need. Uh, I'm kind of rambling here as I try to figure out what I'm doing. I had just turned from... Uh, if you'd seen me 15 minutes ago, you'd have only seen my back because I was actually doing uh, some creative work for some of the projects I'm on and some admin for my little business. And I haven't quite, even though my body's turned around, my head, my head hasn't turned all the way around. Uh, tonight does kick off the Republican National Convention. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, both of Trump's sons, both of Trump's daughters, his wife and his, one of his daughter-in-law's, uh, is, is going to speak, along with Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is uh, currently dating Don Trump Jr. So that's uh, two brothers, two daughters, one sister-in-law, and a wife will all be speaking. Uh, there's already a lot of controversy. There's already a lot of fighting and a lot of arguments. That's the, what I've heard, the rumors I've heard. And the rumors are that um, Don Jr. thinks he should be playing the David Cassidy part when he's clearly Danny Bonaducci. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you were cast in a movie, you know, you might cast Eric Trump as the little guy who was sweeping in the last picture show. So there is a, um, you know, he's sweeping, you sons of bitches. Uh, that character did end up getting hit by a truck. I am in no way implying that uh, Eric Trump Jr. should be hit by a truck. Um, first off, I don't want any trucks damaged by him. Uh, have you seen him? So uh, anyway, just a little humor to kick off the day about all of that. Uh, I am in a uh, Facebook feud with a local city councilman who uh, seems to uh, wake up every morning and open up his uh, 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 Republican marching orders and then goes on uh, Facebook. And it upsets me. And I tell you why it upsets me. Not that the guy has an opinion. The guy has a right to an opinion. But he's uh, elected 
city council member here in Maricopa named Vince Manfrati. And I know Vince, and I like Vince. And I've supported Vince on a couple of issues. But one of the things I loved about Maricopa was a lot of the little town that I live in of 60,000 people, thereabouts, is there was not all this strum and strife at the political level. The city council is a bipartisan, uh, they run in a bipartisan way. They don't have an R or a D in front of their name. Uh, and uh, I used to tell people it's a town where Republicans vote for Democrats and Democrats vote for Republicans. But Vince has brought so much of the sneer and smear that we see emanating from uh, the top of the Republican ticket, just to sneer and smear, you know, and just, uh, I don't know what people are afraid of. You're afraid to stay home. Uh, that it, it bothers me. It bothers me. It's kind of like when you're having Thanksgiving dinner and, and everybody's having a nice time. Somebody tries to bring up something just to stir up some hoo-ha. Uh, city councilmen out here should be working on city council things. Um, so I'm in a little uh, Facebook feud with Vince Monfrati. Um, you can check that out on Facebook. Not a lot. Not a lot. I say my piece and then he comes back what he thinks is the uh, wise thing to do, which come back with like a nine paragraph response, huffing and a puffing. Just my last response to him was temper, temper, Vince. So, uh, <laughs> and I spent my entire morning. Uh, yesterday, yesterday, and there's a lesson in this story, ladies and gentlemen. In this story, we're going to learn ourselves a lesson. We took a little uh, Casio electronic piano to my little granddaughter, Selma. Selma. We took a little uh, electronic uh, Casio piano to her because she's taking piano lessons. That's how you'd say it. If you're living in the West, hey, what you gonna play? Don't you play some? Uh, why don't you uh, play some Stephen Foster on that piano? Some fucking Stephen Foster. <laughs> so uh, we brought it out to her, and I have had this particular Casio keyboard since my daughter was little. Now, to clarify, Selma is not my daughter's daughter. She is uh, uh, another daughter's daughter. Okay, but I held on that damn Casio ever since my daughter Alicia was 10 years old, 10, and I never threw it away, never, and now we were able to pass it on, we're able to pass things on without passing away, and that's good, pass it on to a little granddaughter, and she'll get to play it, plus, you should never throw out your kid's stuff, you know how your kids get all this stuff, and they get older, and they stop playing with it, and you just kind of box it up? You box it up and you put it in the garage and maybe you have grandkids or maybe, you know, your garage gets too full. Maybe you don't have grandkids and you got too much stuff. Your kids are little toys and, and uh, their report cards and you have uh, all the little drawings they made for you. Like, you know, like if you were like me and you worked in a home office, even in the 90s and your daughter was in there hanging out and she go, what should I do? What should I do? I go, well, why don't you draw? Okay, what should I draw? And I go, you'll draw a monkey. She go, okay. And that worked for a couple of years. She just drew hundreds of monkeys. And you save all that stuff. And then you get older. You think, well, I probably should just throw this out. Do not throw it out. Because even though your kids don't want it, even though your kids don't have the space for it, as they're in their young adulthood and they're making their way in the world, they don't want you to throw it out. They want you to keep it. And if you throw it out, they will get pissed off. You really threw out all my drawings? You did that? No, no, no. Then No, I just... When did you throw them out? What else? What else of mine have you thrown out? You know? <laughs> I'm not talking about my daughter in particular. I'm talking about all, all people uh, uh, 
uh, all people throughout the world. Uh, this is a problem I hear in Madagascar and Uruguay. So uh, if you do throw it out, they will, uh, they'll go, no, it's okay. All right, you know, you know, you're right. I didn't use it for anything. And it's just, you know, part of my, part of my childhood. Oh, you know what? I got to cut this trip short. I got to get, so uh, they will resent it. And if they resent it, and you do not need your children being resentful towards you. You do not want resentful children. Because later on in life, when you stroke out and you've got coleslaw on your face, they won't wipe it off. They won't wipe the coleslaw off your face when you're old. When you're just going to go, could you just, could you just a little here? Could you just, could? They won't do it. So don't go through your golden years with coleslaw on your face. Save your kids' stuff. Uh, Joe Gannon. <laughs> Says it's true. I have hundreds of macaroni glue artworks, and you know, you know, you never know. They might be worth some money someday. Let's say your kid becomes like a, a famous YouTube sensation or something. Uh, Fred Scott has good. Uh, if they become a YouTube sensation, that stuff could be worth a fortune, or if they're ticking and talking, or we, if Donald Trump still lets the kids tick and talk. I don't. I'm of two minds on TikTok. Yeah, it's a Chinese company. People go, well, they're getting your information like they don't have our damn information already. Trump's pissed off at TikTok because when he was doing his rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a bunch of TikTokers, I guess that's what you call them, they got to TikToking and they all made reservations for the rally where Trump thought there was going to be hundreds of thousands of people there and there was like 6,000. It was a bust. Fred Scott has some good uh, advice here about your kid's stuff. Don't put your kid's stuff outside in the shed in Arizona. It'll melt or catch on fire. And indeed it will. Indeed it will. You leave stuff, have you, have you guys ever done that where you leave like a plastic water bottle in your car and you come out and it's melted or you leave a soda can in and the heat has actually caused it, you know how heat will cause a soda can because of what it does to the air. I'm not a scientist. How it'll kind of crunch up on its own like magic. Um, the heat, it'll do it. Joe Gannon says coleslaw is great on a barbecue sandwich, by the way. That's what I'm, you know what, it's not. Damn it, you almost caught me, Joe. You know what, you want to put coleslaw on your barbecue that's your business, okay? But it ain't right. You know, now you want to farm some damned organization, Joe, and the rest of you who think you should be able to put coleslaw on barbecue. If you want to farm, so, you know, if you, if you would, that would be the uh, CBs. If you want to try to join the LGBTQIA with a CB, CSB, Say with CSB, we should be on there too. If you want to try to petition the federal government to make you a protected class, so that if you come to my house or you come to my restaurant, I don't own a restaurant, but if I did own a restaurant, I know people that own restaurants. I eat in restaurants. I don't know how to make a restaurant. I know how to eat the food. I don't know. Um, that you become a protected class, you go right ahead. But there's no law on the books anywhere in this great land of ours in the United States of America that says, I have to respect your eating habits. There's no law that says I even have to acknowledge <laughs> your existence. <laughs> you know, people that put coleslaw on their potato salad, I don't, you know, not their barbecue. You know what? You probably put coleslaw on your potato salad, you ignorant bastard. Um... Paul Whitney says, I respectfully disagree with Joe Gannon on the coleslaw. I did not, by the way. Mike Lawson, you are, uh, Mike and Tina, you are absolutely correct. In the Midwest, no coleslaw on the barbecue. We do not put coleslaw on the barbecue. We do not put crap on our cheese steak. Okay? All right. 
Um, Daniel Bros uh, is um, obviously changed his medication. So uh, it says, example, Tony who? Uh, Joe Gannon says, LOL. So, uh, I mean, I could go on for hours about this, about the way people, here's the problem. You want to know the problem? I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Here's the problem. Most restaurant food is crap, and most people don't know how to cook. There, I've said it. Okay? See, restaurant food, generally, they're making for a large group of people. So they have to, um, they have to, uh, they have to respect a wide variety of tastes. So it's usually kind of a little bland. Now, there's some great restaurants, but generally speaking, you know, you get any sort of chain restaurant. That's why they fancy it up so much. That's why they fancy it up and call it, you know, the elephant bar. Like, that's supposed to be cool from like Bombay, India or something. Their food has to be somewhat bland to accommodate a wide variety of tastes. And most people don't know how to cook. So that's the problem. So then people feel like they've got to put slop on their food slap to cover up the fact that their food tastes like cardboard now when i barbecue and i'm going to tell you this let's say i'm barbecuing four ribeye steaks that's right i'm eating alone uh if i'm i'm going to make four different types of ribeye steaks one one will have no sauce at all one will have no sauce, but have a variety of my secret spices that I blend together, but I do not overuse because I want the spices. I want the spices to enhance the flavor of the meat and make a unique eating experience and not overwhelm it with like salt or pepper or something. By the way, I don't use just salt and pepper. A little salt. You get something, you get a little salt. Not a lot. One, I will slather in barbecue sauce and one I will have with a rub or spices and barbecue sauce. Four different things, okay, but each with a unique individual taste. By the way, if you use too much barbecue sauce, you don't know what the hell you're doing either. If you find yourself that you got to keep dumping ketchup or barbecue sauce on something, don't eat it. It's crap. Uh, let's see what we got here. Frederick Scott says, coleslaw on barbecue. What the hell is Facebook following? Starting this post is false news. Daniel Bro says, nice observation. People in St. Louis know how to cook. Reading is a different issue. Um, now, we know how to read. We just, uh, you see, example, Tony, who, I don't know if that was connected to something else earlier that you said. That's what you, you, maybe you need to read what you wrote, Daniel. Okay, I read nice. I can read that word. Example, Tony, who? I don't, you know what? Okay, maybe it was a reference to something that I was saying earlier, but not anything. Now, now you've hurt one of my feelings. I got two feelings left. Uh, my two feelings are uh, anger and lethargy. And uh, you've heard one of them. I'm not going to say which one. So I think we've cleared that up. I don't know how we got there, but we got there. Just, you know, because uh, when you get older, when you get older, they're going to feed you coleslaw whether you like it or not. It won't be the good coleslaw. It'll be just sticky enough to get on your face, but not wet enough to have a good taste. You know the difference between dry coleslaw and wet coleslaw. You know what the hell I'm talking about. Dry coleslaw, you need to have me drinking water with every bite. Might as well just be eating some lettuce with vinegar on it. But a nice wet coleslaw, nah. okay? But you know what the hell? Why eat coleslaw when you can have deviled eggs? And those are words to live by, okay? You're fine, Daniel. I'm just digging with you. Um, let's get to the uh, music. Hey, uh, something to tell you about real quick. Um, tomorrow night, Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Arizona time, 
It will be 6 p.m. California time, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 9 p.m. Uh, on the Eastern Coast. Uh, we were doing a free intro for our stand-up comedy workshops. Uh, no, uh, no must, no fuss, no hassle, no obligation. Just go to ComedySchools.com, click the link, click the link, and uh, sit back and listen to this uh, fun one-hour presentation that uh, even if you don't take one of our workshops, you will gain a lot from it if you are going to speak publicly, if you are a writer, if you are uh, looking to get over stage fright, and if you're looking to enter the wonderful world of stand-up comedy. So uh, that's tomorrow night at 6 p.m., okay? We got that for you. Uh, maybe you don't want to do it, but you got a friend or family member who's always kind of talked about it. Anywhere in the world, pretty soon, we're going to have three locations for ComedySchools.com. Tempe Center for the Arts, brand new comedy club in Gilbert. Uh, brand new comedy club in Gilbert called JP's Comedy Club will be opening this fall. And we will be offering a, uh, an entire uh, smorgasbord of entertainment workshops there, stand-up, improv, sketch. We'll be offering the entire thing right there. You're going to love it. Uh, we're going to be doing it at Tempe Center of the Arts, JP's Comedy Club, and around the world on Zoom. So no matter where you are on planet Oith, uh, you'll be able to access what we have to offer. But who knows if it's for you? I don't know. But you can find out uh, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Arizona time. Okay? Okie dokie. Let's get to the music. What have I got here? Um... I kind of wanted to get to this. I didn't really finish Women in Rock, but I'm going to deal with this. We're in the CD era now. I still have albums, but I really got to go through them and pick them. Okay. I've worked through, I don't know, 300, 400. I don't know how many albums. A couple hundred for sure. Uh, so we're going to work with a lot of my CDs now. This is called the 60s Collection. Okay. It was one of those knockoff things they did. Uh, this compilation, 1995. St. Clair Entertainment Incorporated, uh, made in Canada, okay? So, uh, I don't know. It was where someone got the publishing rights. You know, some of these were knockoffs. Some of these weren't even supposed to be out. But uh, you kind of pick these up. I'm almost positive that I picked this up while I was out touring as a stand-up comic and was driving from gig to gig. I would oftentimes drive, fly into, like, Chicago or St. Louis or uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and work down the uh, work down the eastern seaboard, or fly to Chicago, and work the Midwest. You know, and be out for five or six weeks just touring. And I wanted a rental car because uh, I didn't want to, you know, be plane hopping or busing or whatever to city to city. So um, I would you know, stop at a truck stop, and they would have these types of CDs, those '60s collection. You see, it uh, says Excelsior. Uh, it's volume two, and then it's got some uh, red-haired girl on it. And uh, there was nothing there that made you go, "Hey, let's buy this." Okay, she's obviously wearing a wig. Here's what's on the 60s collection volume two. And this is why I like this because it's not the stuff that necessarily, uh, this is all top 10 stuff. Luai Luai by the Kingsman. Luai Luai. Oh, we got to go. Dun, 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 dun. And of course, it was uh, um, made famous once again in the 70s by the extremely ungodly funny movie Animal House. And where they pointed out that nobody knows the words of Luai Luai except Luai Luai. We got to go. Uh, the Duke of Earl by Gene Chandler, which was a great uh, kind of, um, not doo-wop, but rhythm and blues. Uh, pure pop. Leslie Gore's It's My Party. By the way, it's a very infectious song. It's my party and I cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to 
Yoo-hoo. Uh, that's a terrible rendition of it. It would not make it on any uh, CD compilation. But once again, that kind of infectious, it might be a Neil, Neil Sedaka tune. And I don't, um, I don't like Neil Sedaka, but I like that song. Uh, Save the Last Dance for Me by the Drifters. Or a song that keeps being recorded over and over again because it's just a wonderful song. It's got a great rhythm to it. Ferry Across the Mercy by the Jerry and the Pacemakers. Jerry and the Pacemakers are one of the totally forgotten groups that were part of uh, the British invasion. So once the Beatles hit America on Ed Sul- in the Ed Sullivan Show, February, I think February 9th, 8th or 9th of 1964, uh, they were immediately followed by a wave of British bands who all looked similar to them. The Beatles changed hairstyles overnight. Overnight. Everybody went from wearing their hair like Elvis to combing it down over the forehead like the Beatles. Uh, you look at pictures of the Beatles from 63 and 64 and realize that that was considered long hair. You know, and it's like nothing. But uh, they changed hairstyles and they changed what America was listening to. And the Ed Sullivan Show and record companies respond in kind a&R man record companies madly signed up people from England and flew them over one at a time over and over for weeks and weeks on end to be on the Ed Sullivan show and other uh, variety shows. And we were delighted by this sort of new fun style of pop music. And there were, there was the Beatles. There was the Rolling Stones. There were the Trogs who we didn't know were uh, a British band. There was the Dave Clark Five. There were Herman's Hermits. There was Freddie and the Dreamers. And there was Jerry and the Pacemakers. And there's more that I can't even think of right now. But two of the biggest are really forgotten right now. And they are the Dave Clark Five, who rivaled the Beatles in popularity for a very short period of time, and Jerry and the Pacemakers, whose beautiful song, Fairy Across the Mer- Mercy, uh, just really captured America for several weeks. Of all those British invasion bands, of course, the Beatles music is still with us. The Rolling Stones are still with us as a functioning uh, uh, band. Herman's Hermits are remembered because songs like uh, I'm Into Something Good continued on. But two of the best, two of the best, the Dave Clark Five and Jerry and the Pacemakers kind of got lost in the sands of time. So uh, the other ones, you know, Freddie and the Dreamers were just kind of silly. The Trogs were a one-hit wonder. You know, uh, but if you ever get a chance to go back and listen to Jerry and the Pacemakers stuff, if you like the Beatles and if you like early Beatles and like early Rolling Stones, you'll love Jerry and the Pacemakers. Wild Things on here by the tro- the Trogs. That was their hit. Wild Thing. I think you're grooving. Jan and Dean doing a little old lady from Pasadena. And back in those days, sometimes you couldn't tell the difference between a Beach Boys tune and Jan and Dean. I think Jan and Dean did some... Uh, uh, some Beach Boys tunes. Uh, Jan and Dean uh, sadly broke up when one of them, I forget which one, was in a horrible... They did a song called Dead Man's Curve and one of them ended up in a terrible car accident that left him uh, uh, pretty busted up for the rest of his life and no longer able to perform, thus brought to an end. Uh, I don't think their career would have been as big as the Righteous Brothers, but uh, brought a really promising career to an end. Uh, Herman's Hermits, I'm Into Something Good is on here. And then from the doo-wop, the doo-wop era, uh, which a lot of this, uh, uh, bands like um, Herman's Hermits and Jerry and the Pacemaker just wiped out doo-wop, was One Fine Day by the Chiffons. So if you like girl group music, and who doesn't, you know, if you like the, the Ronettes, Be My Baby, which is one of the greatest 
One of the greatest drum openings ever. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Phil Spector. Phil Spector, bad man late in life. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hold on. Brilliant uh, record producer early in life. I believe he probably produced the Chiffons as well. I'll double check it for you. But uh, these are just fun tunes to go back and listen to. Luai Luai, Duke of Earl, It's My Party, Save the, Land Stan- La- Save the Last Dance for Me, Fairy Across the Mer- Mercy, Wild Thing, Little Old Lady from Pasadena. Uh, I'm into something good and one fine day. Any one of those songs will brighten up your day. And sometimes we need our days brightened up a little bit. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Well, you know what? Do I have time to? No. I just want to mention some, uh, once again, off of Rolling, the Rolling Stone, Women in Rock. Uh, we made it as far as Dusty Springfield. Other great uh, performers on here. Laura Nero is on this CD doing Eli's Coming. See, if you know the song Eli's Coming at all, you know it from Three Dog Night. Eli's Coming. Yeah. And uh, uh, it, that's, it was kind of a weird song to listen to if you listen to the words because it is written from a woman's point of view. Laura Nero was a wonderful songwriter. She wrote Heart Like a Wheel for uh, Linda Ronstadt. And she wrote Eli's Coming. And on here we have her version of it. Uh, Carol King doing It's Too Late. Carol King, who wrote doo-wop music in the 60s in the Brill Building, was a Tin Pan Alley writer uh, with Phil Spector and all the early... Uh, all those early writers and producers, um, actually, I'm not going to say she breathed life into her career, but made a career as a solo artist in the 70s, early 70s, with an album called Tapestry that was so good you could not not buy it. You had That album was in everybody's collection. I don't care if your collection was all Doors, Zeppelin, Steppenwolf. You also had Carol King's Tapestry. So just mention some songs here that might be cool for you to listen to. Uh, we forget how many wonderful, wonderful female voices there was in rock. Uh, we think of rock and we think of The Doors and we think of Led Zeppelin and we think of Cream. We think of The Beatles. And we think of The Rolling Stones. You know, we think of those bands. We don't think about all the wonderful female voices that uh, really brightened our lives, which is some of the best music that... Uh, has ever been written in that century or any other. All right, now I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, Tina Mike Lawson says, love Louie Louie and Eli. Yeah, those, you know what? Man, they knew how to write a tune that grabbed you, but at the same time had some authenticity to it, didn't they? I mean, there was crap on the radio where you go, man, they just threw this together. Okay? But they knew how to craft a hit song. They knew how to craft a song that made you turn up the radio or say, would you like to dance? Okay, or go, hey, let's play it one more time. Or flip the dial on your radio in your car, seeing if the other station is playing it. They knew how to do that in the 60s. They certainly did. All right, and what we know how to do is end the podcast. We're going to end it right now. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for watching. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. with more mirth, merriment, complaints, crap, and music on Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye.